Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's the four in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. Hello and welcome back. Working with UEFA. Sorry. You working with UEFA? <laughs> FFE do work with UEFA. Yeah. How's that then? Uh, they sit on a couple of steering committees with them, an actual proper committees with them, too. So. Are, are UEFA easier or more difficult to work with than the board of Tottenham Hotspur? Nothing's more difficult to work with than the board of Tottenham Hotspur. This is uh, episode 7, season 13 of the Fighting Cop podcast, joined by Cat Law of the Football Supporters Association and the Football Supporters Europe. Is that right, Cat? Yes. Well done. And despite abdicating her place as chair of the uh, trust, is still grafting, is still working currently with Amphula on uh, the ticket, the massive issue about the ticket price rises and the various issues that surround that. So it's not just about the price rises. There are many issues and, and strange decisions that the club have made and, and, and have, have created a massive wedge, another a bigger wedge or a more significant wedge between the fan base and themselves. Um, uh, so what, what what's happening, Amphula, on, on, on Saturday? So, um, the plans for Saturday are essentially people are going to meet us at 3.45pm opposite the ticket office on the high road. It's by the M Cafe. Um, we will be there demonstrating for about an hour. We'll be pushing the, me- the clear message, stop exploiting loyalty and mm. stop ticket price rises. We will have a megaphone. We'll be having chants. We've got badges to hand out. We've got flyers to hand out. It'll hopefully be a good peaceful demonstration that everyone can get behind the common cause that is the fact that our loyalty is being exploited through massive increases in in ticket prices and erosion of our concessionary areas um yeah i want to talk about those things especially the concessions that's 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 the thing that's really got under my skin and full disclosure i don't have a season ticket I don't even. I'm not even able to go to the games anywhere near as much as I used to because of where I live, a long way away. But that just reading, 
reading the article that was written um, on our website that about uh, it was mainly about the ticket concessions that Martin Cloak wrote, and um, the, it was it was just unfathomable to me that there could be a a, a limited number of seats available to OAPs or children or I don't know if it extends to people with disabilities and maybe you can answer that but certainly OAPs and children that, that only a select amount only a certain amount can get in for a, a, a price that isn't full price like so if you're an OAP you have less money cost of living all that issue if you're one of the lucky ones who managed to get into a block and and and, and it was able to access the first 500 or whatever it is the limit for that block then you're okay. But if you're an OAP and you haven't, then you've got to pay full price. If you're an, a, a father or, or a mother trying to bring their kids to the football and, they, and you haven't been able to, or lucky enough to get one of the tickets that are, are, are reduced, then you have to pay full price for a child's ticket. Th those are correct, right, Kat? Uh, yes. And I think it's actually worth rewinding a bit on the club's concession policy and then to pick up on what's happening now. So um, historically at White Hart Lane, the only stand in which you could access any concession, and at that point, it was juniors under 16 and seniors over 65, was the Paxton Road stand, so the North stand. So that was the only stand in the entire stadium where you could access a concessionary price. There was no limit on how many you could access in that stand, but obviously the number of seats within that stand were limited. So we lobbied very hard uh, for them to abolish that policy when we moved via Wembley into the new stadium. Our core principle, when I say our, I mean the trust, had always been, let's link the concession to the person, not to the seat. So if you are, what well, by that stage was now under 18, because we'd also lobbied for an increase in junior pricing to under 18 to under 16. Mm. So if you're under 18 uh, or you're over 65, you should automatically qualify for a concessionary seat, regardless of where your seat is in the stadium. So link to the person, not to the seat. Of course. They didn't take reasonable. that. Uh, but what they did do was expand the concessionary area outside of just the North Stand. So you can, in theory, get a concessionary seat in any of the four stands at the new stadium. However, it's set under a certain price point. For, so when we first moved in there, I think it was 11.25. So £1,125 or £1,120 was the cap for a season ticket price area where you could qualify for a concession. So that was straight off to stop people sitting in the most expensive seats in the top of the West, top of the East, uh, and getting a 50% discount, essentially. That was, that's what, what that was there for. Yeah. So people knew they had to future-proof where they were sitting in order to be able to qualify for senior concessions uh, if they were planning on staying in that area. What's happened since is even more unpalatable. So Anthuna's going to pick up the story now. This is something that we suspected was happening two summers ago. Something that I had extremely strong words with the ticketing office and the supporter liaison um, officer about, uh, and something which the club evaded and didn't didn't clarify. So Anthula, do you want to tell me what's happening with the erosion now? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so the current so we had a meeting with the club back in April, uh, a ticketing meeting, and we wanted to ask a bit more about concessions because, like Kat said, we've been suspecting a few things over the last couple of years, whereby we've had emails from people saying they've not been able to access their 
their senior rate, their concessionary rate when they turn 65. So we wanted absolute clarification on this, that there wasn't going to be a conspiracy theory there and that actually, you know, they would be able to access their discount. And, you know, these things happen. It's probably like a technical issue. So we spoke to the club and clarified with them. And they said in that meeting, every person who is in an area that is under £1,200 for their season ticket and they turn 65 by a specific date that's on the website would be able to access their concessionary rate. I repeated this back. It was then repeated back to me. I was like, okay. Um, then we were basically writing it all up and the club then said, actually, these are now subject to availability. And we said, hang on, that wasn't the conversation we had. Um, please clarify, what do you mean by subject to availability? Um, and they said, basically, they're subject to availability because they want to balance out the balance basically between different price point match day pricing so basically like match day juniors young adults adults and then senior ticket adults young adults seniors etc they want to balance all of that per block so we asked sort of what are the what what is the limit then and they said there is no limit it's flexible i still don't fully understand this at all but what is very very clear that there is there is a limit There's there a is cap. there is a cap what, however they work that cap, cap out, I still don't know. And we, we will be seeking to find out. Um, it's just very clear that obviously there is that cap. And it led into basically what Kat has been alluding to for the last two, three years of what's been going on. And it may, it all fell into place because we were getting more and more emails where seniors weren't able to access their ticket. And actually, the, some of the worst bits of this is that people have actually moved from areas that don't have concession into blocks that have concession with the thinking that they're going to be able to get a concessionary rate and then they're not. And I think that's very disingenuous. I think you're you're slowly eroding the concessionary areas. You're not being open about it with the fans. And and on top of that, they've raised the prices and, and it's like then they're, they're not they're not really what, thinking and what, and what i think the, the issue is that they are thinking and they're thinking are the, it's the, the the average age of people going to watch spurs at tottenham is increasing and they're worried that when everyone go, turns 65 and half of the stadium is over 65 whatever it might be that the, the, the amount of money that that stadium can generate is reduced significantly now some people might go well look we've got an expensive squad Everyone wants success on the pitch. We have to compete with these other other players, uh, other teams, and, and what they do. This is just the nature of football. How much money is generated compared to? The, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but how much in terms of the total turnover of the football club compared to gate receipts that might be lost by concessions? Do you know that figure? Like, what are they? What are they saving? What What are they possibly going to be able to generate that's anyway in in any way significant? So the, the maths that we've done on this, so on on concessions, on concessions specifically, or match day increases, well, it's concessions. Well, it's very difficult to say about concessions because don't know we the, don't know yeah. the numbers they have in the stadium. We don't know the the limits, so it's very difficult to do any crunching of numbers when we don't have the the facts to like. Yeah, well, on, on, on the information you do have, then what 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 have you come up with in that respect? I mean. If you think about it, match day pricing is very is a very small amount to the revenue stream anyway. So I would imagine it's not a very big loss that they would make if they did give concessions. I think you're probably right that because we've got you know an aging um, 
an aging fan base and we're not generating new young people coming through because of how expensive our prices are. So we're not getting that new generation of fans coming to the games and getting that hook and, and consistently they have, coming. They're, they're having to pay, in some cases, full price tickets. Exactly, exactly. So of it, it, I think for me, I, I do think that the club are sort of trying to protect their adult prices and that is sort of their thinking around limiting concessions because they don't want to have concessions everywhere but I equally don't think that that is very ethical and very fair and actually what they should be doing is stretching their pricing having a more sustainable ticket price structure that is going to encourage young people to come and then you'd actually get naturally a balance of different age ranges yeah I don't think they want them to come that's my feeling they don't want old people going to the games they don't well they don't mind old people coming to the games as long as they don't have to give them prices that aren't as um you know that they can charge them full price and they don't care if kids are coming to the game because they're gonna before before this club before the um by the time they've sold if they sell the club in 10 years they couldn't give a solitary fuck about whether or not they're getting kids into that stadium that's not their business sorry cat what you gonna say i was gonna say i i think you're wrong that that they don't give a toss about the old people. I think what the misconception is yep. that all old people, <coughs> and that has actually been said by a board member to my face in a meeting, all old people are rich. Now, they might be in their world, but they're damn well not in mine. It's not true. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue here, but I also want to talk about the ticket exchange, if that's okay. Yep. So the, the, the other issue here is that the volume of match day sales that go through primary source, so are sold directly from the club, probably about six to 7,000 tickets each game. There's not a massive amount. Yeah. It, at least that much trades on ticket exchange. So that's where a season ticket holder who can't make a game posts their ticket and uh, a member, if it's within a member's window, who wants to go can buy that ticket. There are no concessions on the ticket exchange no. available at all. So if you are trying to take your eight-year-old to a category A game, and it's in the most expensive part of the ground, that eight-year-old will cost you £103 for a ticket. There is no concession. There's no young adult concession. There's no senior concession. Every ticket is sold at adult price. And also, I want to talk about one hotspot memberships. Because last summer, so that's not the one just on the one before, they uh, managed to remove the senior one hotspur membership. That's gone. If you were already a senior one hotspur membership, they will very kindly and generously allow you to renew. But if you are just turning 65, you're gonna have to pay full adult rate. So scandalous on many, many levels. And concessions is something that I felt extremely passionately about. You know, it's not about the old people being there. Those old people will probably bring their kids or their nieces and their nephews who then bring their kids. You know that supporting Tottenham is generational. You know this, that we, we build the foundations of our fan base through fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. That is how it's done. So it's extremely short-sighted as a business plan to price out the, the generations of your fan base that will be there to support you through thick and thin. Yeah, certainly in terms of match day going. But I don't think they even... I, I think they... This is a tricky subject to talk about, right? But they obviously value every supporter around the world and, and hold the, and, and essentially where the revenue comes from dictates how important they are. Um, you know... They have. Didn't, um, there wasn't there issues. Didn't the club have issues in the way 
uh, fans were defined. Like, how do you define what a Tottenham supporter is? Like, what? Why is a match day going fan any more important than someone who's watching football from another side of the globe? Wasn't it something like that? Why they said like that, how how fans were considered legacy fans as opposed to? Yeah, in fairness, that wasn't Tottenham. That was a whole report. That was a UEFA and a FIFA report, as far as I, as I recall. It, mm. It's an issue because obviously all of football is looking at changing nature and changing pattern of football supporters and fandom. Um, sitting at home and live streaming games is far more commonplace now for certainly you know people under the age of 18 than it would be to go to a stadium so they need to work harder to get people in yeah. but this was a, a marketing effort and this was about looking around the different um aspects of, of fandom essentially so i'm not going to blame Tottenham for using the phrase legacy fans but that was definitely definitely out there i think as we, we need to say that there isn't a hierarchy of fandom and people who get up at like three in the morning from overseas to watch every single Spurs game when some of it is utter dross deserve a lot of credit yeah. I'm, I'm not moving them down my ladder of fandom like no. there is a ladder we're all here like all together however I think we all have to accept that regular match going fans are a different beast and it's not just because of the money they bring because gate receipts are tiny compared to the other revenue mm. but it's about the, the culture that they bring it's we are the club's culture and the club's DNA, by the way. Um, it's about the part that they play in delivering a product that is extremely valuable for the club and the Premier League. The £30 price cap for away tickets didn't happen because Richard Scudamore and the Premier League felt generous. It happened because they recognised how vital it was for away supporters to bring that atmosphere into the bowl. You saw what happened in COVID behind closed doors games where there were no fans in there. They had to pump in fake crowd noise to try and replicate us. So match going fans have a very special place in this whole ecosystem. It doesn't make them better or worse, but it means that they are a special case. So yeah, and the, the makeup of those match day fans is vastly important. Yeah, of um, course. Agree. I want to talk. I want to bring it up. Anfield, go ahead. I just want to make another point on concessions before we move on from it. We've spoken about seniors and we've spoken about children. I just really want to touch on the young adult category as well. Statistically, younger people in the in the current cost of living crisis are struggling the most. If you look across social economic areas, when you look at the at council data and things like that, so these are the people that are in school in A levels. Um, in higher education or work or have have gone on to do apprenticeships or jobs and things like that they are not they, they are the ones that are struggling in terms of coming to games and paying those prices um, and they're not and those are the ones that are going to be the generational fans coming through the stadium if you're not gonna you know if children that, yeah. come with their parents but when you get to a certain age parents may not be able to afford to bring to, to bring you and they'll and when you've got a job and things they're going to be looking to try and pay themselves and that 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 group as well also need protecting and i wanted to just make that point because we obviously have I, i'm not discrediting you know the the seniors and the, the the kids because obviously that is so important and we've we've stressed that but i just wanted to also touch on that category Cor as well. yeah completely i mean that that area that era of going spurs was probably my, my most favorite that that where you were kind of becoming of age and we totally recognize that because i, I can't let that go without stressing how hard the trust lobbied for the introduction of that young adult category. That was on the back of our lobbying for several years. So any of your listeners who think the trust never did anything on ticketing before this weekend, you're wrong. <laughs> we lobbied on an awful lot on, and the young adult category is one well, of our Well, yeah, just on that quickly, because you often get um, 
you often get a kind of, uh, and, and I'm guilty of it to some extent, I kind of feel like football's gone and it's sort of broken and we're never really going to get it back. And I'm kind of, I'm getting older now, so that's kind of how I feel. Um, but if you look at what the trust has done, the campaign um, put huge amounts of, uh, was a part of the, the campaign about a price cap for away fans in uh, 30 quid, along with many other um, groups around the UK. There's also stopped Tottenham from furloughing its staff. And there's a massive part in campaigning for the the European Super League to for for our participation to be, um, you know, removed. And uh, on the back of that, there was quite a lot of fallout with the club, wasn't it? The trust in the club are not talking, are they? Um, look, that was a really difficult time. I think um, we were an extremely active trust in the national movement at that point in time. So that therefore naturally meant that we had were perhaps at a more advanced stage of conversations around a potential European Super League than other fan groups might have been. We actually had a members meeting where Kevin Miles, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Football Supporters Association, came and addressed our members about the threat of a European Super League uh, several months earlier. So we were very aware of that. And that therefore meant that we'd been in meetings with the club and we had raised the question of whether or not Tottenham were in any discussions about this and whether or not, in principle, they would support, uh, you know, the theory of a European Super League. We also put it in writing. Um, They basically said flat out, no, no discussions were going on. Like, not even we can't talk about it, it's, it's sensitive. Like, no, no, not at all. Your, your position is noted. We had absolutely no heads up that this was going to happen when the story broke on that Sunday in April. No heads up whatsoever. And it was a massive stab in the back. We'd sat around that meeting room table with them for, well, I'd done it for, I don't know, six, seven years by that point. And we thought that we got to a level of trust and good faith. And that really was utterly unacceptable. Not only about the trust, but we'd surveyed on this. We'd surveyed our members. We'd surveyed the fan base. We had hard data to show how much fans uh, you know, respected the meritocracy, how much the pyramid meant to them, how much all of the values that we hold close in English football meant to, meant to fans. So they flew in the face of all of that. So we were left in a really tricky position because at that time also, the Premier League were talking about expulsion from the league. They were talking about huge fines. There were a load of sanctions that were coming down the line for the six clubs from the Premier League who were involved in that. The other 14 clubs in the Premier League were absolutely raging, as you can understand, because the, 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 the big six at that time have effectively tried to destroy their entire model. So we looked to protect, protect Tottenham Hotspur Football Club from the people who'd made that decision. Mm. And so we had a very difficult online members meeting where we had about a 1,000 members join on a Zoom call. Uh, And the end of that call was our decision to call for the resignation of the board of Tottenham Hotspur. Yep. Obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously, that didn't go down well. But it's a statement. Yes, we absolutely would, because it was the right thing to do. We weren't the people who threw our toys out of the pram. We weren't the people who dragged our club's name through the mud. We weren't the people who tried to destroy the English football pyramid. They were. Where's the accountability? Where's the responsibility? And so, obviously... That made made it a tricky relationship moving forward, but it was not of our making. We had no choice at that point in time, and we stood true to our principles, and I'm very proud of us for doing that. So, yeah, I mean, Anthuda can pick up on the current relationship, but it was rocky for a while. Departmental heads was fine. We didn't have any board contact for a while, but I'd do it all again in a heartbeat because it was the right thing to do. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Go ahead and fill up. Yeah, so, I mean, the current relationship, look, we do, we, we are still speaking to the heads of department. We are still speaking to our SLO. They, they are still talking to us about operational things that we day-to-day speak to them about that impact fans. So we are still speaking to them. And, you know, that's, that's a good thing. They haven't cut us off, but they haven't addressed this. They haven't acknowledged to us at least this this demonstration they haven't acknowledged to us this campaign at all we're hearing their responses through third parties so they gave a response to um to sky sports news they've given a response to um last word on spurs before we went on so you know we we haven't been spoken to about this they haven't sort of said let's get round the table let's discuss this um i don't know whether they're waiting to see what tomorrow is going to be like um i don't i don't know yeah. so you know and i think really they you know, it's not too late to to kind of just just turn around and be like, cut, let's get around a table, let's discuss this, let's let's see where the issues are, let's let's try and sort it, let's come up with a fair, sustainable ticketing strategy going forwards, and and you know build that relationship because what Kat was saying earlier about not giving any any notice on things and that's the first we've heard of it. It's not. Uh, that that wasn't a single issue a single issue that happened to us too mm. that's happened to us multiple times so it's like well when that happens what's the next step really yep this is the next step yeah of course absolutely i was just going to jump in and just say i think it's as somebody who's no, no longer on the trust board i can speak slightly more freely i think the club has always struggled when the trust asserts its independence and i think the the biggest plus of the trust is its independence. So that's probably why I used to get quite tetchy when people on social media tried to make out that we were on the take, there was something in it for us, we got free tickets, we got lots of biscuits at meetings, etc. Because fiercely, we are fiercely independent. And that therefore means that we can challenge them on things and we, we can push back in a way that other organisations that are under their official supporters club umbrella or their FAB, their fan advisory board, cannot do. I was going so to ask about that. We'll never compromise on the independence of the trust. Absolutely. That's massively important. Of course, uh, it's essential. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, the, 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 we, we've also been accused of being on the take from the club because we're not critical of, of Daniel Levy enough. So... Um, I understand that the front actually it's not even frustration it's just weird and stupid um if you there, there's some people might say that if you want to t- I, know I mentioned it earlier but i've found some information here based on martin's articles if you want to sign top players you need to pay top prices and top wages the increase in prices of uh, the, the you know the ticket the price of the tickets it will raise around 2.5 million pounds a year and that's 0.6 of the club's total income why bother why if it's such a tiny amount why create such ill will in your fan base when it's already through the fucking floor 
anyway. Like, why do it? Who, 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 what is the thought process? And what you'd imagine are super intelligent people. They have to be, right? They're running the football clubs. Surely there must be a modicum of intelligence amongst them. And they can look at this situation and go, is it worth upsetting an entire fan base for the sake of 2.5 million? A fee, by the way, that they would, well, actually, most clubs, most chairmen, wouldn't even think about when buying a player. So what I don't understand the thought process of this, because it's not like they can go next year and raise them by the same amount again. And they might look at it over a five-year period. Actually, we're actually, we're actually generating £15 million over, 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 um, for, you know, for, between now and, and, and the next, uh, next five years. They're, they're generating that kind of money. But it, it's not that. They can't, they can't up it year in, year out. Or, unless there are a process like this, maybe they can. Maybe they're, they're, this level of acquiesce will exist as long as these processes don't. And, and this is exactly why we're at the position we're at. We don't know where these increases will stop. I think they would have generated, they did, well, they would have generated more if the season ticket prices were able to go up and they couldn't do that at the time because of what was going on at the time with Paratici and Conte. And it would have been PR suicide essentially because on top of that, all the media were coming out saying there's going to be 11% increases on season tickets. And that's actually, interestingly, the 11% is what we estimate for next season if they do put up season ticket yeah. prices. I think that's interesting that they, they correlate. Um, and that's another reason why we are doing this, because we don't want to be having that conversation in like January, February time when renewals are coming around, where again, we're told last minute the season ticket price is going up without consultation, without our input. It, you know, we, we need to be on the front foot of this. We need to make it very clear that it is not okay to keep exploiting fans like this. It is not okay because match day revenue, as you've quite, quite, you know, you eloquently pointed out, is a very small proportion of total revenue that comes through the club. Mm. The estimates we did, the 0.6% is the total revenue that we did based on June 2022 financial figures. But match day revenue itself, so that's made up of ticketing, uh, food and beverage, everything that you sort of make on a match day. If you look at that figure, it's 2.4% of that. And actually, that's an overestimate because we can't actually take out how much they make from ticketing because it's not broken up like that. So it's it's so minimal. That's not where they're making their money. Their money's coming from sponsorships, TV deals. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's... it just seems so unnecessary, which is why it's frustrating. But it, the reason why it's important to protest and make it as difficult as, the, uh, as you can for this club to get away from, get away with, is because while it's nothing to the club, it's everything to a lot of fans. We, I just got this, we got, you won't have read this because this is behind our paywall, Patreon paywall. We were talking a little bit about this this morning, but I just thought I'd read it out because it's relatively, I mean, it's relative and it's pertinent. It's by a guy called Matt Dorney. So I've never been anti-Levy, but I see where the frustrations come from. For the first time, I've realized something today. I'm trying to shift my mate's season ticket to me in the South Stand for Saturday. Times are hard for him and he wants face value it, face value for it, but it's fucking 83 pounds. Not one of my mates wants to pay £83 for it, and I don't blame them. So in order to get the cash, I've had to put it on the exchange, where no doubt a tourist, in his opinion, will have it. Last season, it was £75 for a Cat A game, and that was awful. But this is just stupid. It makes me sick to think of the type of fans we're going to have in the stadium in a few years' time, and at that cost. Now, look, it goes on, but and then he talks essentially about the cost of living and why it's becoming impossible for some people to go. There is an issue, though, that... Well, I would say there isn't. I have an issue with someone who wants a day out and thinks that going to Spurs would be a fun thing to do. I don't have any issue with anyone going to watch football and going to watch Spurs if they want something to do. 
but not at the expense or where season ticket prices or, or prices of match day tickets go up because there is this infinite stream of people that want to come and watch football. Spurs as a, as a club and as a stadium has been globally marketed. It's a global brand now. So people all around the world are going to be interested, if they're not Spurs fans, even if they're not Spurs fans, for coming and taking the price of this ticket from an actual Spurs fan who cannot afford to go anymore or has to sell because they're skint. So let me be clear, what I'm describing is someone who isn't a Spurs fan, that isn't affiliated with Tottenham, but just wants to see a game of football and as a one-off are willing to pay what is now a top price of £103 for a uh, a a ticket. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have an issue with, in inverted commas, day-trippers. I think there's room for everybody and everyone can be part of that mix. But I think what you're talking about is slightly different. It, it's basically football tourism when you have no affiliation to Tottenham whatsoever. You just fancy coming along to see the new stadium. Yeah, someone who <laughs> wants a day out, but they're bringing their wife as well, who's not interested, or vice exactly. versa, you're bringing husband not interested. There's one exactly. person who's going I mean, not getting. I don't, I don't know how many of those there would be, and I'm not trying to, you know, dispute the fact that there will be some of them. But bearing in mind, you need a membership normally to buy a ticket to any game at Tottenham, and that's not cheap. So that's you and your missus, that's over 100 quid in memberships and then you're buying whatever you're paying for on exchange. So it, it would be expensive, I, I, you know, I, but I won't say it doesn't happen. Yep. I think there are also a lot of premium seats available in the stadium that are also where a visitor like that might want to go. Have a nice meal beforehand, watch your game, have a nice glass of champagne. I saw... I, saw an, I, was, admission fan. I was scrolling through Reddit before, just before we were about to chat and we were talking yes. about ticket prices. Sports breaks. Yeah, and you got an advert from Sports Breaks. You have this really flashy video of, you know, drones flying through Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and look at an amazing experience you can have. Come and yeah. buy a premium package when you've got people who can't afford to get in because yeah, these seats are... it, it's particularly unpalatable. But as I said, I don't know what the figures are enough. I take your point totally. I really absolutely do. And I think going back to your previous point, why are the club doing this? It's obviously financial and it's a choice. They don't have to do this. They're the ninth richest club in world football, according to Forbes. They do not have to do this. And Phil has already established that the money that they'll make on the back of this is relatively peanuts. And it's extremely short-sighted. It's weird. It's, it's just weird. weird. Why do it? I know. If you do, Because they can. If you do replace all of your regular matchgoers with one-offs and football tourists, you will decimate your fan base. And then when the times aren't quite so good, you've got nothing left. And yeah. by that time, Enoch will be long gone. We'll be left with new custodians. And Tottenham Hotspur, as we know it, would have drained the lifeblood of fans out of that. So we've got to stop that happening. We've got, we've got to try and stop that happening starting on Saturday. Go on, Ephraim. On an overview as well, it actually just really sets a dangerous precedent for the Premier League because of the fact we have such high prices. Like we are on par basically with Arsenal's category A prices and Fulham's now new Riverside stand. Mm. So that's why, you know, we haven't said the most expensive because we are one of the most because of the other two. Um, But we've and we've actually listened to a few clubs who have said that actually they they sort of benchmark their prices based on. Premier League prices when they look at the whole Premier League at all 20 all twenty clubs. So if you're at the top and you're stretching that even further, all that's going to happen is everything will shift. And where does that stop? So it it, yeah. it completely destroys the whole sort of... Well, you, you can imagine whoever's, who's in charge of pricing. Uh, who, who would it be at, at Spurs? Would it be fundamentally Daniel Levy? It's, 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 
of the board. Uh, collectively, they would oh, make a decision. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, so they're looking at it and they're hearing about Fulham's new stand and they're going, brilliant. Brilliant, guys. We can charge more because we're better than Fulham and look at our facilities. Football might not, you know, football might be a bit better and our, and our stadium's a bit better, but what? They're charging their fans three grand. Bearing in mind, people, the, uh, the, the makeup of a Fulham fan is very different from the makeup of fans from other, other clubs. Um, not that Tottenham isn't a wealthy fan base. You'd probably think we are. You know, as a fan, they have some money, but that's not the point. The reality look is... Where, look where the club is. It's in one of the poorest boroughs in the... In the in, yeah, there's not a the single country. kid who's born in Tottenham is he's, he's going into that ground. Exactly. I would imagine. Very, I mean, it would be... In, like, where are they getting their money from? You know, it's yeah. one of the poorest boroughs, districts. I used to work in Haringey. And, um, the, I live in Haringey. You do live in Haringey, right. So <laughs> back when I used to work for a charity called Exposure, in, we were based in Muswell Hill. And um, we, we... For our work as a charity, we would have to submit funding applications and things like the national lottery and one of the ace cards when trying to get money into it is, is that the borough is so poor and this is bearing in mind for people that listen to this they may not, not, not know the makeup of in terms of where the wealth lies of Haringey. Haringey was one of the I think it was like the fifth poorest ward at the time that I worked there um, in the UK and then half of Haringey is super rich like Crouch End, Muzzle Hill, Highgate these are really affluent places and the other half of borough is so poor that you have to include those rich areas and it's still the, the uh, fifth poorest borough. And that's where Tottenham's based. So, yeah, no one's going. And they don't care about that either. They don't care about it. They, 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 they have to do these community projects because it's good politically, but they do not give a shit about it, clearly. Um, what's the issue? Why is, it, why is this simply a case of supply and demand? Why, why can't we just say, well, look, if people are there to buy the tickets, then we have to sell them at that price because that's capitalism, that's business, and we wouldn't be doing the correct thing as a business if we didn't, Anthea. Oh, want me to answer that well, one? Well, yeah, I'm just like, is there an answer? Is there an answer? Why? I mean, the issue with supply and demand, I think, is that everyone's comparing it to other businesses and how, how they work. I think we are a very unique business when it comes to football. I think the relationship that football has with its, with its supporters is very different to any other business. If you go to, if you go to a restaurant, and you don't like the food or it's too overpriced, you won't go back. You'll go find something else similar. Yeah. Like if you go to, a, let's say, an Italian restaurant, it's so over, overpriced, you'll go like, actually, no, this Italian's much nicer and actually cheaper. Um, similarly, whatever product, if you go to Sainsbury's to buy something and it's too expensive, you can go to like Tesco or whatever and find it cheaper. You'll do that, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to do that with your football club. You're not going to be like, oh, Tottenham's too expensive now. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go down the road to West Ham or something. I'd go down to West Ham or something. I don't know. You're not going to do that. You, you stick to, you, you're so loyal. You've been brought up like with is... that. And if I wish, I really, I'm going to do it at some point. I'm going to make a graph of the prices comparison from White Hart Lane, our old White Hart Lane to now. And you'll just see how high it's gone. And you, you hooked those people right at the beginning when the prices were affordable. And now we're here and people are still gonna go because you've hooked them. And, 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 yeah, you're right. And, and, and you, we, where else are we gonna go? Where, we, there is one option. We have one product that we can buy. We, we, and that is Tottenham Hotspur. And they know this, they've got yeah. us over the barrel. Where are we gonna go? It's not supply and demand. It's you're going to keep going because you're so loyal, and then you're going to stop because you can't afford it anymore. It's not the hashtag, isn't it? Stop exploiting loyalty. Exactly, which is exactly why it's stop exploiting loyalty. Bang as, on flag. As per Martin's article, if you bought a ticket to see Spurs play Liverpool at White Hart Lane in 1980, 
in the East Terrace, it would have cost you £1.50. In today's money, based on, you know, yeah, in today's money, it was, it, that would be £8.23. That's how much it should cost based on how the pound is valued compared to where it was back in 1980, the year before I was born. It, would, it costs you now £83 for that ticket. So they have it's 100, well, 10 times that's the cost. That's ticket as well. Yeah, that, and, that's, and how many of them are available? Yeah. Well, exactly. And just to point out as well that what they've also done, not just increasing the prices, they've also changed some of the categories across, um, sorry, some of the bandings across the, the, the map. So if you look at the pricing map from this year compared to last year, they've changed essentially the top of the south and the top of the, the north from different colours to make them more expensive. So that's another way of increasing prices. They've then also brought up the brown band to match the silver band. So essentially saying that those two aren't distinctive anymore in terms of banding colors. So it's like they're basically slowly increasing the prices across the whole of the stadium distributionally. Mm. Yeah. And, and they've also rejigged the, um, the the mix of category A, Bs and Cs. So yes. we've got fewer Cs than ever. And there's only four category Cs game, games now this season. So... That's another way of doing it by scale. And let's not forget, Flav, they've yep. never announced this. They put out a story on their website. They do a thing that I call the Friday afternoon job. And when I was co-chairing the trust, my Friday evenings were regularly wrecked because but that was about five o'clock on a Friday. They bombshell something in with no notice and they still do this. Although this wasn't a bombshell, this was just a web story, uh, just announcing on sale dates to Tottenham Hotspur members. And it was two clicks deep into that article that when you looked at the pricing matrix, you realized it was more expensive than the season before. So if you have got nothing to hide and you know that you're justified in making those price increases, own it, be honest about it, come out and say it. And one other thing, they're not even allowing members to buy tickets on an individual match by match basis now. They're bundled into packs of three, yeah? Or oh, they go on. No, you can, they, they go, all three go on sale at the same time, but you can. But you don't have to buy three at once. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly right. Well, yeah. the most expensive is about two hundred and thirty-six quid or something, isn't it? That's well, how much. All you're... three, yeah. yeah but yeah. you're sorry, that that was misleading. You're that's right. right. But on top of that, with that announcement, doesn't it show sort of the the level of thought that they have for fans that they they won't even come out and say we've increased the prices. This is the justification for it. Because that's what other clubs have done when they've raised the prices. They've, even though their justifications of, are flawed, um, and people shouldn't, they shouldn't be raising prices. Other clubs have set, explained to the fans why they've done so. That wasn't anywhere in the statement. It wasn't justified. wasn't wasn't explained to fans why it was going up, by how much, how they came to that at all. It had to be the fan advisory board. So bearing in mind, this came out on the Friday, and the fan advisory board then had their first meeting on the Monday. On the Monday. It, the fan advisory board had to ask why and then for them to get a justification I, I think you know there's there's levels of sort of communication that are really lacking when it comes to things when it comes to the club and this this it, it adds the other layer to to what's happening well we had a question actually based on that in, in communication and pr from um, shrewsbury spur and he says uh, just want to say well done to the trust for doing this by the way levy gets a lot of criticism but isn't Dan, uh, donna cullen in charge of pr which is dreadful is it? Who is in charge? <laughs> Who wants to go? I, I don't, it's probably easier for me to go, in fairness, because Donna's less likely to pick up the phone. Is she genuinely as scary as people make out? I've had one dealing with her, and it was all right. It wasn't that bad. She's going to be totally charming. 
Who's in charge uh, of PR at Spurs? Can also massively hair dry you. Um, uh, she's in charge of all communications. Oh, so, Someone, so, yeah. she, I think, um, Donna, I'm sure you might be listening to this. Um, please <clears throat> have a look at what you're doing and figure out how, the, the, the mess that, that, that you created here. Because PR, the, the, the lack of communication between the club and, the, and, and fans is part of the massive frustration and the growing groundswell of, of, of anti-Daniel Levy and Enoch um, movement. It's happening. And it's happening because there's no communication of any significance between the club and the fans. And when Coy's you do Daniel. do it, when you do do it, you have the chairman sign off Coy's Daniel. Like, what? Talk oh, to the no. trust, ask no, them no. how to do what they need to do in order to communicate for the fans. They will give you the answer. If you oh, just yeah. I mean, it's a point that we pressed home because both Martin and I, when we were co-chairs, we both work in communications. And I'm not saying that we're the world's best communicators. Uh, well, Martin might, but I'm definitely not. Uh, but at least I understand uh, the fan base and I understand, or parts of the fan base, and I understand how to talk to them, what matters to them and how you should really be communicating. And we try to encourage them to talk more about their strategy, more about their vision, to justify more of their decisions across the board and just to level with people, really. I think if you're honest and you explain the reasons why you've done things, people might still disagree with you, but at least they'll respect you for that. And there's none of that at all. And I think there's a bunker mentality almost now where they don't really want to say anything. And, and in fairness, the club's approach throughout my decade has always been, but why would you want to say anything about anything? Why would we want to talk about that? So but the fall, Because there's a fallout if you don't. And the fallout exactly. is, is, is that we don't, we don't, we're at a point now we don't trust you not to say that you haven't done a good job. There are amazing things you can talk about when talking with Daniel Levy about how he, the incredible work he does in generating revenue, right? Some people don't like it, but I think in this in modern, the modern age, you need to generate revenue whatever way. And that, needs, that revenue can then be exploited in buying players, right? That's just the, the game we are in. But you, you, what we've got now is a, a, a place where we don't trust you because it feels like you don't like us. It feels like you you you're we we you hold us um, you hold a, a low opinion of Tottenham Hotspur fans. That's what it feels like. Why aren't you grateful? You should be grateful. Look at what we've done. Look at where the club I, is, and that's the feeling. That might not even be what you want, but that's how we feel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is the tone that comes across that we're doing you a constant favour by being here, and you should be so grateful for everything that we've delivered. And that is a problem tonally in the way that they communicate. I will just say, I think their social media game has upped. I think they put out some good content across social media. Is it, wasn't it, isn't it outsourced to a, a company that's nothing to do with Tottenham? I don't think so. I think they've got um, social media admins in-house. Oh, I mean, no. I could be wrong. But I that, don't know. I don't know. That's, what, that's what I heard. Um, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure there's a... Uh, although they did... They did, they did and and I, don't, I, I agree with you. I think it's improved massively. It had, the tone of it's very good and, and, and generally okay. Although they did post a training picture from the women's team on the day that Harry Kane had left the club. <laughs> like what are you doing they also posted five tweets in an hour about harry kane just after they announced he was leaving and that was a bit too much for me it was like one dagger goes in then the next dagger goes in then the next dagger goes in they were like mm. i don't know every 10 minutes for an hour and i was like oh god that's just a little bit too much but on the whole yeah it's much better content wise but in terms of communication from the board uh yeah and i, I mean they are now publishing meetings from the fan advisory board they say largely nothing I think they had an entire fan advisory board meeting about where to put the Bill Nicholson gates. Not really what we intended when we pushed through the fan-led review, I'll be honest with you, Blair. Right, can I ask about that? Spurs, Spurs Shout says, uh, uh, how do the 
Fab and um, the Trust connect? Uh, is there even a connection between the two? I My overall feeling, is that at the time you kind of felt, I felt a little bit like you was railroading to saying, Wasn't, isn't this a great thing, Fab? And it may be, I don't really know enough about it. I feel a little bit like everyone was going, well, this is great, isn't it? The club are talking to the, to these fans. But it, it also, and I might be wrong, again, this is just my feeling. I think it's a, that... bit of a, a bit of a backstory here. So I'll do the backstory and I'll do look and do the up-to-date thing. Okay. So on the back of the ESL fallout, obviously the government moved quickly to put Tracy Crouch in position to launch the fan-led review of football governance. And the FSA and all of the supporter groups were very, very involved in that. Tottenham wrote an entire proposal to uh, fan engagement and involvement at decision-making level at Spurs. We presented that to the fan-led review panel, as did every other recognised trust in the country and organised fan group. So they had they took a load of evidence and they came out with a white paper that basically suggested more or less a shadow board, a supporter board, uh, which was meant to embed fan voices in the decision-making process at, in, at clubs throughout the country. So what we actually ended up with, the Premier League then came out with a fan engagement standard, which was watered down and watered down and watered down and watered down after influence from, because who is the Premier League? It's the 20 clubs. Yeah. Do any of those 20 clubs want to give any power away to the fans? Of course they don't. No. So it was diluted down to such an extent that Tottenham's fan advisory board is now not what it was intended to be and is not in the spirit of the fan-led review as far as I'm concerned, because the, the, there isn't a voice at board level, that Tottenham came out after the ESL and said they would put a fan on the board. They have categorically not done that. The co-chair of the fan advisory board gets to meet with the board of Tottenham Hotspur a couple of times a year. That is not putting a fan on the board. And there were various other erosions. So what we've ended up with now is like a halfway house that isn't in the spirit of the FLR, could be better than we had before if the spirit was taken as it was intended. But from my outsider point of view, what the club is very clearly trying to do by tying up all of the delegates to non-disclosure agreements uh, is make sure that they very much control everything that goes through that fab. So the fab is nowhere near independent. They've signed NDAs. Yeah. I don't know in public domain, but I've told you now because I'm not under <laughs> NDA. But yes. Yes, yes, yes. They what, 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 if they can't say anything, what's the point? Correct. Oh, my God. It's a mess. And Sula, though, you can explain probably if I've been un unfairly harsh. Um, no, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure on I'm not sure about the NDAs. I'm still I still need to ask about that. I don't know if they were actually signed or not. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm I don't know. Um, but I think the difficulty as well with the, it, it's trying to work a way of working with the trust and the fan advice board. We're sort of we're still working through sort of like the the where the trust remit ends and where the fan advisory board kind of picks up and goes with it. Um, I've, I've spoken to loads of the members on the fan advisory board. A, a lot of them, are, they're great. They, yep. They're great. They they do care. That's why they've gone, they've gone through this to go on there. I think they were put in a very unfair situation on the back of the, the price increase announcement to then go into that meeting but they credit to them they they did very well in that meeting to, to push back mm. um, unfortunately got they got the same responses we did so i you know i i really want it to work and i think i think we need an independent regulator to come in to 
to improve what's happening because it's not just at our, at our club that this has happened. I think the fan advisory boards across the Premier League are quite, like as Kat said, watered down to what was actually meant to happen. Yep. But it just shows you how much power the, the Premier League clubs have. And, you know, we need, yeah, we need an independent regulator, really, in my opinion. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm just jumping in there. I think Liverpool have a pretty good model. Their supporter board, you know, it's... I think there's a definite... I actually said no Premier League club wanted to give power away. I think Liverpool have delivered above and beyond what the other clubs that have put out a fab or a setup like that have done so far. So I think there is a commitment there. Um, I don't know how far it goes, but there is definitely more of a commitment at Liverpool than there is here. So I will caveat that and be, be fair about that. So IRF at the moment, um, we're waiting for a shadow independent regulator to be established. And then the government are deciding where that will sit. They've already decided it won't sit within football. So I think once a regulator comes in, that will be a game changer, to be honest. And that will be very much needed because football has shown for many, many years now it can't mark its own homework. So no, no, absolutely. What? Um, what? Yeah, there. There's no no value. There's no value for these clubs to to actually play ball. The only value is them to keep complete control. What? Um, what's the, the, the problem with the, the the fan advisory board is it now confuses fans about where they need to go like do they, do they, how close are you guys linked is the trust if i've got a grievance with the club do i go to the fab or do i go well, to chsc that's the thing i don't think it's been made very clear um on like i don't i, I it's, it's made very clear to the fan advisory board but it's not made clear to fans i think it is quite confusing for them with the with, with that and i think part of that as well is because a lot of the fans remit uh, the fabs remit hasn't actually been published on the website like other trusts that other other clubs have done um for clarity on for people that are listening if you have an independent sort of like specific match day issue or anything that's that's that is still very much our remit um so you could email us uh we do i do speak to the to the fan advisory board members quite often anyway so if anything we, we will liaise but it's yeah I think it is very confusing for people I mean I I'm not very clued up on the governance behind the fan advisory board so probably Kat will be able to best is best place to answer what what the distinction is I I wouldn't be able to do it as eloquently um because I didn't work on that area but yeah I think there is the blurring of lines in some aspects that do yeah. need no it is confusing but it, it basically st- start with the trust right yeah I mean let's let's not kid ourselves here the club have taken and relished the opportunity to chop the trust off at the knees by introducing the fan advisory board mm. so i don't think anyone would have any shock with that we've already discussed that they struggle with our independence we are an absolute pain in the ass as far as they're concerned uh, we prefer to frame ourselves as a critical friend but i don't think that i'm shocking anybody to say that the opportunity to encroach on trust heartland Will have been taken. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it goes about it makes it's obvious that that would be the case, and it was a, 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 a it was an opportunity for the club to to yeah, like you said, cut the trust off at the knees. 
the problem with the club is that if you're not talking to the trust and no one's talking to the club and the, and the fab is now the new representation of of um, the fan base you have a massive issue because these protests that are happening i know you know the purple and gold stuff that's happening and even if you're not a part of that the mood inside the stadium is turning and it has been turning and daniel levy has been directly targeted with you know flags chants and it's and that is the start of something don't get me wrong if Ange Postacoglu turns it around and we win 10 on the bounce everything goes away very quickly but the reality is is that there is this underlying ill feeling and ill will towards the owners of the football club and for the first time it's genuinely tangible when you go in the stadium and that is only going to get worse if you continue to not communicate properly and take on board some of the issues that have been spoken about in this podcast but elsewhere take on board of, of the, the seemingly lack of ambition compared to other clubs so the fact of, of the big six clubs we're the only ones not to win a single thing pretty much in 20 years and our neighbours down the road they're, they're doing it and that is they're, they're shining a big light on Tottenham Hotspur at the moment and it's embarrassing um, okay a couple more questions then we'll round it off because you guys it's like literally lunch break have you you got, two, you got five minutes yeah sure okay um, uh, Tottenham Tottenham Simpsons it says has this has relationship with the club ever felt as strained as it does now I mean it's, if you've been with a trust or Anthula, I mean working with the trust is one thing but is it significantly worse now is there a correlation between the mood the general mood of the Tottenham fan base and the working with them no I don't I don't think it's very different at all I don't think it's changed I don't think it's gotten worse since since the the ESL at all I I think and and the I don't even think it was that bad during then either I think it's it it seems like that from the outside because we've gotten to the point where we're putting on a protest but this isn't the first time this has happened us protesting against ticket prices this happened when we moved to the new new ground too but it just didn't it didn't carry it didn't sort of carry forward because I think at the time everyone was really happy about the new stadium and we weren't in such a big cost of living crisis and things like that so it's not this isn't a new thing at all so I think that's that's probably why it looks like that from the outside Mm. I think it's come from the fact that what else can we do other than try and communicate and and try and get on the same page because we want to be on the same page we want to help each other it's not you know like um like cat like cat said we're an we're just annoying critically a critical friend um but it's when you get to a point where it's like well you're not liaising with us you're not consulting us on things you haven't really explained to us your decision process and Got then you're just process. announcing things you, what, yeah, what, you're, you, it, you've been what forced you into this. You've been forced into acting, and and um, it, and it'll be interesting to to see. And fundamentally, for me, it, it, it comes down to a very basic thing, and that is that two point five million pounds you're raising is nothing to you, and it's everything to the fans. And if you cannot recognise that, then we have a massive issue. And that lesson, and that sentence, and that message will be demonstrated tomorrow when this protest happens what's your anticipation are you worried about turnout is this do you have any anxieties about this what are your feelings Um, about the the protest because you've been everywhere this week i've got to say (laughs) i'm trying to push the message out (laughs) no you're doing well you're grafting um from a personal perspective i'm i'm anxious because i've never done i've never sort of led the way on something like this before so i don't 
I don't know how it's going to, this is new ground for me too. And I'm getting great guidance from, from Kat who has been there before um, and help and, you know, support from my board shout out to, to Rob White, who's done amazing work on the badges and the flyers and things like that. Like he's done brilliant work. Um, so I think and just an anxious thing, but I think that's more of a me thing. I think from a trust perspective, I think the, the response we've had to the campaign has been incredible. And I think, it really, it, I, to be honest, when we when we announced, I think it was very heartwarming to see how many people got behind it, and it just shows that actually this was the right thing to do, and that yeah. this is a singular issue that people can get behind. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see what the turnout will be because I've had a lot of messages from quite a lot of people saying, "We will see you on Saturday. We will see you there. You're yeah. doing the right yeah. thing. Ignore the critics." Like, it, you know, it's. It's been great, and I, I'm really excited to see what we do with it tomorrow. Um, half our board will be there on the ground, handing out leaflets and, and doing everything we can to to make to make a an impact on the day. What else is there planned? So you got tomorrow three three forty five. I don't want to dilute the message here, but well, is, is there is there more? Like if this doesn't work, will we have to remind them again in a month. Yeah. So you know. We'll see what the reaction is to this. I, we I, we really want to see what the turnout is because if there's flavor for it, that will sort of tell us what we can do next. Mm. If we get a small turnout, then we might have to think, how what is the next step up? If we get a large turnout, that means my, maybe we can step up three steps. Like It depends on what the turnout is, what the flavor is. But the clear message is we are prepared to step up action this isn't going away we are not going to stop i i am personally prepared to die on this hill i will die on this hill because <laughs> this is the right thing to do it is the right thing and to do. i implore everyone to just get behind this and be on a united front against against the ticket price regime because it's it's pricing out fans and you know we we will this isn't going away yeah Absolutely. yeah yeah no i'll just jump in and say we did have flags at brentford so the Athletic have got some great pictures of them, actually. Oh, so we did a visual oh, protest at the end of the game at Brentford. Uh, there will be something at every away game. Uh, so it's not just tomorrow. Um, yeah. Good. <laughs> I was going to say there's like 60-odd thousand people going to the stadium tomorrow. If you can get 5% of those in your protest, so 95% can go in, 5%. That is enormous. Yeah, I mean, that would be an so, incredible thing. I mean, come on. We, we, we need... Uh, as I was saying last night on Last Word on Spurs, the trust needs to see how many people genuinely want to support this. If you can't come to the game, there are various things you can do on social media as well that Anthony can go on to. So social media traffic and actual people at this demonstration will be monitored by the trust, but it'll also be monitored by the club board. So we have to make sure that we show that we've got strength in numbers here. That's really important. So anybody who is coming to the game tomorrow, please get there a bit earlier. We will be extremely visible. There'll be a megaphone. There'll be flags. There'll be leaflets. You can get a free badge, as Anthony has already said. Uh, come and lend your support because this is for all of us. And it's for your kids and it's for the next generations. And it's for your dad and granddad as well. There's no so, point moaning if your granddad can't get a ticket and you don't go into the, the protest. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're complaining that there ain't enough concession tickets and you're saying, well, it shouldn't be cost my kids six... He's six years old, 83 quid to get a ticket, then go to the protest and make a difference. Can I just, um, before I explain how people that can't come can get involved, yep. I just want to give a huge shout out. Please go to Spurs Song Sheets uh, Twitter page. Spurs Song Sheets, 
Return of the Return of the Shelf and THFC flags. Massive shout out to them because they've re- really gotten behind this message. They've put out a nice timeline of things to to basically ramp up. We're gonna we're gonna do the protest for an hour. We're gonna make that clear message about ticket prices and exploiting loyalty, and then um, everyone's gonna everyone in the south stand will basically move across to the park lane um place to like basically on the on the concourse to sing and get behind Ange and then get in the ground for 515 for the tifo and i think it was beautiful absolutely beautiful because it really signifies the fact that we don't want this affecting Ange's first game it's not fair for him this is about the board's decision to raise the ticket prices and dilute um it's concessionary areas and i think it was it was amazing and i think every everyone should and can get behind that message for those that can't come and i know that's going to be a lot of people because of the fact it's pricing out loads of people and we don't have enough uh, members tickets on sale and things like that and people are on holiday and whatnot the way you can get involved, I will be posting at some point later today some links to, um, I've made an Instagram slash Facebook filter filter frame, basically, oh, yeah. which is where it's, it's got Stop Exploiting Loyalty on it and it's got our, our logo. It's, it, I, I'm very impressed with it if I do so myself, <laughs> but, uh, mainly because I've never done it before and it was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to p- put that out so people can take pictures, take selfies with that frame, equally mm. have if you can take pictures from wherever you're watching the game, wherever you are in the world, uh, with signs saying stop exploiting loyalty, stop ticket price rises, do it with your families, do it with your pets, whatever, like send it in. We will retweet it during that hour. We will we will put it on our socials. We will be like, look, we have everyone on the ground here with us, but we also have support from wherever else you are. Mm. And that's what we want to see. Everyone getting behind this message. I've noticed there's some interest from fans of other clubs as well. Um, stuff weirdly and and I'd, I'd never even like to admit this or say things like this but the arsenal fans have been um looking across and saying that this is something that we need to pay attention to because you know while we are playing great football and doing all the things that they're doing over there the reality is this isn't an exclusive to clubs this is a, a problem across football it's not and i actually think the mood music is changing so at the moment you've got west ham you've got walls you've got fulham you had newcastle and us and potentially arsenal all protesting around ticket pricing then you've got manchester city protesting around broadcast times and kickoffs and obviously you've got united carrying on with their campaign against the glazers so there's a, a lot of arrest across a lot of the division mm. and i think that is telling and i think boards and owners should start taking notice they should because if we all get together, can you imagine what could happen? Yeah, look, they have to take notice, okay. and I think maybe they I w- should speak to Fulham's trust for the Fulham away game. Sorry, <laughs> maybe I should speak to Fulham's trust yeah, for the yeah. Fulham away game. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry. The a cohesive movement between trusts is not like it's a, not a new thing. It's, it's an important and powerful thing, and you know, thirty pound for an away ticket is something it was a combined effort. Clubs did not want to do that. They did not want to do that, and they were forced to do it. You know, for in large part, and for in part because you know away fans are the most important part of it, and they knew that fundamentally the product would be damaged. So it's about finding out how are you hurting yourselves by you know making these decisions. How are they hurting themselves by stopping kids from being able to get in or parents being able to take kids and stuff? And, and fundamentally, the PR around Tottenham Oxford is an absolute shit show. It's bullshit, and it has been bullshit for a long time. Um, anything to miss? Uh, anything I've missed? Anything to chat about? 
Any 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 more calls to action? Anything anyone else has to do? Needs to know? Are we good? Maybe. Let me just. Let me just really clearly say what we are trying to achieve from this campaign, because I think that will really help in making sure that the message stays clear. So what we are asking for is a full reversal of the match day ticket price increases. Reason being, it was unnecessary. It makes a small amount for the club. It's it, and it has a massive, massive effect on the on fans pockets. Right. So we're asking for a full reversal of that. Secondly, we're asking for a genuine commitment to fan consultation with the trust and the fan advisory board to come up with a sustainable ticket price strategy across the board, including concessionary areas that everyone can get behind and that it it protects our next generation and current generations of, of Spurs supporters. Thirdly, we want a commitment to no increases across anything, any ticket prices for the following season, 24, 25. Reason being is because we're concerned that season ticket pricing will be next to be hit and we don't want that so that's and also we don't know actually what's going to happen with match day pricing either because for all we know they could also decide to raise those again i don't know um so yeah so those are our clear asks this is what we are campaigning for this is why the message is about ticket price rises and exploiting loyalty and that's why we need to stay to that clear message because we want to achieve those aims and it's important because it will show if we all get together united that we have power and we can affect change in within our club okay great that's yeah fundamentally go down to the go down the process and um make a difference and you know a thousand two thousand people that is important that's that's a massively impressive number um and the club will have to pay attention to that and i'm sure they're already got their beady little eyes on every podcast that's being produced anyway so um, yeah, if you listen, stop charging and exploiting loyalty, you dicks. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel shirt name. Sports Social Podcast Network.